we interrupt Bandcamp for breaking Bandcamp news. Yes, breaking news. Beep, 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 <laughs> beep. Our wonderful fans have written in and we yep. love you all and we want to appease. We have decided now to do two chapters a week. Yes, or two episodes, however you like to view it. We do this book one chapter at a time, reading it aloud. What do the kids say? Binge, if you want to go back and listen to all the previous episodes, I think you should. They're fun. We just want you to know that although we do reference back and forth and we talk about things that happened in earlier chapters, it may make more sense to you if you want to go back and listen to all the older episodes first. So, you know, all the nuances and the characters and all that kind of thing. Yeah. So chapter one, if you like, although I feel like chapter one started like in the middle of something that we weren't, <laughs> I remember we were quite confused at chapter one with the weird dangly arm. However, oh, right. <laughs> whatever strikes your fancy, start at episode six, start at episode one, your choice. Are you saying that they're going to be confused either way? <laughs> Perhaps. <laughs> Starting this week with chapter six, we are doing two episodes a week. The first episode will, as always, drop on Tuesday. We try to get them up super early in the morning. So even if you're on the East Coast or West Coast, or I don't know where you, where you live, but hopefully it is ready when you wake up. The second episode will drop on Thursday, the same time, be two chapters a week. Awesome. Thank you for being here, you guys. Thank you for really helping our podcast grow. We really appreciate you guys. It's astounding, and I just couldn't be more pleased. And thank you all so much. Liking and sharing really does go a long way. Well, this is Bandcamp, the band book podcast. I'm Dan. <laughs> <laughs> It's a podcast where we read banned books and try to figure out why they were banned in the first place. And we also try to figure out why we never have any food in this stupid house. <laughs> As always, we have 300 more pages to go. About 300, give or take. Let's get into chapter six of To Kill a Mockingbird. Yes, said our father, when Jem asked if we could go over and sit by Miss Rachel's fish pool with Dill, as this was his last night in Maycomb. Tell him so long for me, and we'll see him next summer. We leapt over the low wall that separated Miss Rachel's yard from our driveway. Jem whistled Bob White, and Dill answered in the darkness. I don't know what Bob White is. I've is heard it Bob so many White? times. I, I've heard it. I. It's not important, but... And when she drops little things in there, maybe she does it to like remind us this is the 1930s. It must Bob White must have been really hot in the 1930s. I don't know. I'm looking here on my copy that I'm trying to follow along, and Bob White is lowercase, and there's a hyphen. So it's not like some dude named Bob. Hey, Bob White with you in the afternoons. Northern Bob White. It's a bird. It's a quail. All right. Well, Bob White's a bird. Not a breath blowing, said Jem. Look a yonder. He pointed to the east. A gigantic moon was rising behind Miss Maudie's pecan trees. That makes it seem hotter, he said. Crossing it tonight, asked Dill, not looking up. He was constructing a cigarette from newspaper and string. Did they, like, grow it an extra 10 years in between? What, is, what, is, what in the Bob White is going on with these kids? No, just the lady. Don't light that thing, Dill. Y'all stink up this whole end of town. There was a lady in the moon in Maycomb. She sat at a dresser combing her hair. We're going to miss you, boy, I said. Reckon we better watch for Mr. Avery? 
Mr. Avery boarded across the street from Mrs. Henry Lafayette Dubois's house. Besides making change in the collection plate every Sunday, Mr. Avery sat on the porch every night until nine o'clock and sneezed. One evening, we were privileged to witness a performance by him which seemed to have been his positively last, for he never did it again so long as we watched. Like sneezing performance? Is that supposed to be a funny joke? I don't... That is a real low-end town. There is truly not a lot to do there. <laughs> Let's go down there and watch. It's, it's Sunday, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Avery's going to sneeze, probably. Jim and I were leaving Miss Rachel's front steps one night when Dill stopped us. Golly, look a-yonder, he pointed across the street. At first, we saw nothing but a kudzu-covered front porch. But a closer inspection revealed an arc of water descending from the leaves and splashing in the yellow circle of the streetlight, some ten feet from source to earth, it seemed to us. Jem said Mr. Avery misfigured. Dale said he must drink a gallon a day. Oh, is he peeing? Wait, is that what you think this is? Some kind of pee fest going on? Yeah, because it says Jem said Mr. Avery misfigured, so he's not pointing the right way. Dill said he must drink a gallon a day because it's so much. And the ensuing contest to determine relative distances and respective prowess only made me feel left out again, as I was untalented in this area. Uh, I got to write something down. It's going to be one of the points to ponder because I wouldn't mind banning the book right now. I don't want to hear P talk. (laughs) Is this like... A literal pissing contest? (laughs) Dill stretched, yawned, and said altogether too casually, I know what, let's go for a walk. He sounded fishy to me. Nobody in Maycomb just went for a walk. Where to, Dill? Dill jerked his head in a southerly direction. Jem said, okay. When I protested, he said sweetly, You don't have to come along, Angel May. You don't have to go, remember. Jem was not one to dwell on past defeats. It seemed the only message he got from Atticus was insight into the arc of cross-examination. Scout, we ain't gonna do anything. We're just going to the streetlight and back. We strolled silently down the sidewalk, listening to porch swings creaking with the weight of the neighborhood, listening to the soft night murmurs of the grown people on our street. Occasionally, we heard Miss Stephanie Crawford laugh. Well, said Dill. Okay, said Jem. Why don't you go on home, Scout? What are you going to do? Dill and Jem were simply going to peep in the window with the loose shutter to see if they could get a look at Boo Radley. And if I didn't want to go with them, I could go straight home and keep my fat flopping mouth shut. That was all. So now they're going to be peepers? Are kids peepers or are they just curious? Boo is being accused peeping into people's windows and now people are going to peep into his windows who's the peeper and the pp i'll tell you who's not the pp (laughs) mr avery yeah yeah but what in the sam holy hill did you wait till tonight because nobody could see them at night because atticus would be so deep in a book he wouldn't hear the kingdom coming because if boo radley killed them They'd miss school instead of vacation. That's the best point. (laughs) And because it was easier to see inside a dark house in the dark than in the daytime. Did I understand? Jem, please. Scout, I'm telling you for the last time. Shut your trap or go home. I declared to the Lord, you're getting more like a girl every day. That's got to really stop, okay? (laughs) With that, I had no option but to join them. 
We thought it was better to go under the high wire fence at the rear of the Radley When lot. you were that age, like if somebody said you're acting like a girl, would it piss you off and go, well, now I have no choice but to follow them? I It would piss me off. I wouldn't want to hang out with them because I wouldn't want to be called a girl again. Like when I'm excluded from anything for for any reason, I'm just like, okay, well, screw you. Have a good have a good life, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> With that, I had no option but to join them. We thought it was better to go under the high wire fence at the rear of the Radley lot. We stood less chance of being seen. Oh, good! The Scooby Gang is back. You're gonna sneak in there. Then they don't know what your intentions are. You're like sneaking in. The fence enclosed a large garden and a narrow wooden outhouse. Jem held up the bottom wire and motioned Dill under it. I followed him and held up the wire for Jem. It was a tight squeeze for him. Don't make a sound, he whispered. Don't get in a row of collards. Whatever you do, they'll wake the dead. With this thought in mind, I made perhaps one step per minute. I moved faster when I saw Jem far ahead beckoning in the moonlight. We came to the gate that divided the garden from the backyard. Jem touched it. The gate squeaked. Oh, oh. Spit on it, whispered Dill. You've got us in a box, Jem, I muttered. We can't get out of here so easy. Shh, spit on it, Scout. We spat ourselves dry, and Jem opened the gate slowly, lifting it aside and resting it on the fence. We were in the backyard. The back of the Radley house was less inviting than the front. God. <laughs> I can't imagine. <laughs> a ramshackle porch ran the width of the house. There were two doors and two dark windows between the doors. Instead of a column, a rough two-by-four supported one end of the roof. An old Franklin stove sat in a corner of the porch. Above it, a hat rack mirror caught the moon and shone eerily. Arr! Jim said softly, lifting his foot. I'm sorry. What is that? It says A-R-R. And oh. I don't know how to say that other than R. This is matter. Chickens, he breathed. That we would be obliged to touch the unseen from all directions was confirmed when Dill ahead of us spelled G-O-D in a whisper. We crept to the side of the house, around to the window with the hanging shutter. The sill was several inches taller than Jem. Give you a hand up, he muttered to Dill. Wait, though. Jem grabbed his left wrist and my right wrist. I grabbed my left... I grabbed my left wrist? I grabbed my left wrist and Jem's right wrist. Why does she do this? We had this in like the first page of this book. Oh, where you're trying to figure out why he is so angular. Just say, and just say Dill and I held each other's wrists or something. I understand what they're doing. I don't understand why she's grabbing her wrist because now she, isn't she like not part of the equation anymore? Wait a she's minute. like maybe, this. Maybe they're doing this. I, I know that the listeners oh. can't see this, but they're, they're, gra yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I'm grabbing both of my wrists to make it for 40 or that's not a word. 40 or fortified. Fortified. God. Today's episode is brought to you by the good people at On the Rocks Cosmopolitan. Wow. <laughs> Cosmopol Cosmopolitan in a York peppermint panty. Panty? Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. Totally do a spin-off. No, they shouldn't. No, absolutely not. Oh, God. Okay, so they're, they're grabbing each other's wrists to lift Dill up in the air. 
We crouched, and Dill sat on our saddle. We raised him up, and he caught the windowsill. Hurry, Jem whispered. We can't last much longer. Dill punched my shoulder, and we lowered him to the ground. What'd you see? Nothing. Curtains. There's a little teeny light way off somewhere, though. Let's get away from here, breathed Jem. Let's go round and back again. Shh, he warned me as I was about to protest. Let's try the back window. Dill, no, I said. Dill stopped and let Jem go ahead. When Jem put his foot on the bottom step, the step squeaked. He stood still, then tried his weight by degrees. The step was silent. Jem skipped two steps, put his foot on the porch, heaved himself to it, and teetered a long moment. He regained his balance and dropped to his knees. He crawled to the window, raised his head, and looked in. Why, why is he doing this? This sounds like a <laughs> wily coyote or something. It's the worst thing to do. Then I saw the shadow. It was the shadow of a man with a hat on. Oh, a hat man. <laughs> Spooky. <laughs> At first I thought it was the tree, but there was no wind blowing. And tree trunks never walked. <laughs> no, they did not. No. Only no. in your nightmares. The back porch was bathed in moonlight, and the shadow, crisp as toast, moved across the porch toward Jem. Crisp as toast? Yeah, so it's not like a, a shadow. You know how shadows sometimes can have several gradations of color? And Dill saw it next. He put his hands to his face. When it crossed Jem, Jem saw it. He put his arms over his head and went rigid. The shadow stopped about a foot beyond Jem. Its arm came out from its side, dropped, and was still. Then it turned and moved back across Jem, walked along the porch and off the side of the house, returning as it had come. Jem leaped off the porch and galloped towards us. He flung open the gate, danced Dale and me through, and shooed us between two rows of swishing collards. Halfway through the collards, I tripped. As I tripped, the roar of a shotgun shattered the neighborhood. Jesus Holy crap! God. What happened? They're not playing down there in Maycomb. No. Dill and Jem dived beside me. Jem's breath came in sobs. Fence by the schoolyard. Hurry, Scout. Jem held the bottom wire. Dill and I rolled through and were halfway to the shelter of the schoolyard's solitary ook when we sensed that Jem was not with us. Oh, my, we ran. Is shot? I don't know. Somebody I'm worried. <laughs> we ran back and found him struggling in the fence. Oh, that's right, because he's too big. Kicking his pants off to get loose. He ran to the oak tree in his shorts. Oh, God. <laughs> He's out there in his undies. Safely behind it, we gave way to numbness. But Jem's mind was racing. Where is Atticus? Atticus is reading his book. He hears a gunshot. He's going to come out there and see Jem running around naked. Oh, God. <laughs> we got to get home. They'll miss us. We ran across the schoolyard, crawled under the fence to Deer's pasture behind our house, climbed our back fence, and we're at the back steps before Jem would let us pause to rest. Respiration normal, the three of us strolled as casually as we could to the front yard. We looked down the street and saw a circle of neighbors at the Radley front gate. We better go down there, said Jem. They'll think it's funny if we don't show up. Mr. Nathan Radley was standing inside his gate, a shotgun broken across his arm. Atticus was standing beside Miss Mottie and Miss Stephanie Crawford. Miss Rachel and Mr. Avery were nearby. None of them saw us come up. We eased in beside Miss Maudie, who looked around. Where were you all? 
Didn't you hear the commotion? What happened? Asked Jim. Mr. Radley shot a Negro in his collared patch. Oh, did he hit him? No, said Miss Stephanie. Shot in the air. Scared him pale, though. Says if anybody sees a white N-word around, that's the one. Says he's got the other barrel waiting for the next sound he hears in that patch. And next time, he won't aim high, be it dog, N-word, or Jem Finch. So he was, they know it's him. Ma'am, asked Jem. Atticus spoke. Where are your pants, son? It's a detail that can't be overlooked. That's right. Pants, sir? Pants. It was no use. In his shorts before God and everybody, I sighed. Oh, this is the ultimate humiliation. Yeah, there is you cannot get out of it. I mean, I there's nobody who could get out of this. God. In the glare from the streetlight, I could see Dill hatching one. His eyes widened. His fat cherub face grew rounder. What is it, Dill? asked Atticus. Uh, I won him from him, he said vaguely. Won them? How? Dill's hand sought the back of his head. He brought it forward and across his forehead. We were playing strip poker up yonder by the fish pool, he said. Jem and I relaxed. The neighbors seemed satisfied. They all stiffened. But what was strip poker? We had no chance to find out. Miss Rachel went off like the town fire siren. Oh, Jesus! That's what it says. <laughs> D-O-O-J-E-E-S-U-S. That's the one I'm going to use on my children. <laughs> oh, Jesus! <laughs> Dill Harris, gambling by my fish pool. I'll strip poker you, sir. Atticus saved Dill from immediate dismemberment. Just a minute, Miss Rachel, he said. I've never heard of him doing that before. We're all you playing cards? Jem fielded Dill's fly with his eyes shut. No, sir, just with matches. I admired my brother. Matches were dangerous, but cards were fatal. Jem, scout, said Atticus. I don't want to hear of poker in, my, in any form again. Go by Dill's and get your pants, Jem. Settle it yourselves. Don't worry, Dill, said Jem, as we trotted up the sidewalk. She ain't gonna get you. He'll talk her out of it. That was fast thinking, son. Listen, you hear? We stopped and heard Atticus's voice. Not serious. They all go through it, Miss Rachel. Dill was comforted, but Jem and I weren't. There was the problem of Jem showing up some pants in the morning. He needs to deliver some pants. He's got to show some pants. Okay. My favorite type of word, apostrophe D. <laughs> to give you some of mine, said Dill as we came to Miss Rachel's steps. Jem said he couldn't get in them, but thanks anyway. We said goodbye and Dill went inside the house. He evidently remembered he was engaged to me, for he ran back out and kissed me swiftly in front of Jem. Y'all right here, he bawled after us. Oh. And that's not the end of the chapter. There's just a little break in the page here. Had Jem's pants been safely on him, we would not have slept much anyway. Every night sound I heard from my cot on the back porch was magnified threefold. Every scratch of feet on gravel was Boo Radley seeking revenge. Every passing Negro laughing in the night was Boo Radley loose and after us. Insects splashing against the screen were Boo Radley's insane fingers picking the wire to pieces. 
The chinaberry trees were malignant, China! hovering, alive. I lingered between sleep and wakefulness until I heard Jem murmur, Sleep, little three eyes. What the hell does that mean? What in the hell is it? But he's asking if she's asleep. I still don't understand the little three eyes. Maybe that's something from the 60s again. Are you crazy? Shh, Atticus's lights out. In the waning moonlight, I saw Jem swing his feet to the floor. I'm going after him, he said. I sat upright. You can't. I won't let you. He was struggling into his shirt. I've got to. You do, and I'll wake up Atticus. You do, and I'll kill you. I pulled him down beside me on the cot. I tried to reason with him. Mr. Nathan's going to find him in the morning, Jem. He knows you lost him. When he shows him to Atticus, it'll be pretty bad. That's all there is to it. Go on back to bed. That's what I know, said Jem. That's why I'm going after him. I began to feel sick. Going back to that place by himself, I remembered Miss Stephanie. Mr. Nathan had the other barrel waiting for the next sound he heard. Be it N-word, dog. I, I think we're, it, it is like on every page from here on out. Holy cow. Jim knew that better than I. I was desperate. Look, it ain't worth it, Jim. A lickin' hurts, but it doesn't last. Y'all get your head shot off, Jim. Please. He blew out his breath patiently. I, it's like this, Scout, he muttered. Atticus ain't ever whipped me since I can remember. I want to keep it that way. This was a thought. It seemed that Atticus had threatened us every other day. You mean he's never caught you at anything? Maybe so, but I just want to keep it that way, Scout. We shouldn't have done that tonight, Scout. It was then, I suppose, that Jem and I first began to part company. Sometimes I did not understand him, but my periods of bewilderment were short-lived. This was beyond me. Please, I pleaded, can't you just think about it for a minute? By yourself on that place? Shut up. That's not nice. He's just scared for her brother, rightfully so. It's not like he'd never speak to you again or something. I'm going to wake him up, Jem. I swear. I am. Jem grabbed my pajama collar and wrenched it tight. Then I'm going with you, I choked. No, you ain't. Yell, just make noise. It was no use. I unlatched the back door and held it while he crept down the steps. It must have been two o'clock. The moon was setting and the latticework shadows were fading into fuzzy nothingness. Jem's white shirt tail dipped and bobbed like a small ghost dancing away to escape the coming morning. A faint breeze stirred and cooled the sweat running down my sides. He went the back way through deer's pasture, across the schoolyard and around to the fence, I thought. At least that was the way he was headed. It would take longer, so it was not time to worry yet. I waited until it was time to worry and listened for Mr. Radley's shotgun. Then I thought I heard the back fence squeak. It was wishful thinking. Then I heard Atticus cough. I held my breath. Sometimes when we made a midnight pilgrimage to the bathroom, we would find him reading. <laughs> They'd find him on the throne. What is going on here? I thought they meant he'd find him in the uh, study reading. You think he's sitting on that pot? Oh, while they were walking to the bathroom, I thought <laughs> they'd open the door and there he is. <laughs> Always reading. He said he often woke up during the night, checked on us, and read to himself back to sleep. Uh, he fell asleep on the <laughs> toilet. 
Oh my god. I waited for his light to go on, straining my eyes to see it flood the hall. It stayed off and I breathed again. The night crawlers had retired, but ripe china berries china! drummed on the roof when the wind stirred, and the darkness was desolate with the barking of distant dogs. There he was, returning to me. His white shirt bobbed over the fence and slowly grew larger. He came up the back steps, latched the door behind him, and sat on his cot. Wordlessly, he held up his pants. He lay down, and for a while I heard his cot trembling. Soon he was still. I did not hear him stir again. End of chapter 6. It's time for PPP, Problematic Points to Ponder. What, if anything, would be considered banworthy in this chapter? Jesus, this is a nightmare chapter. A lot happened. Is it really just the word that they want to ban out of this book? She really seemed to amp it up here. I know. It went from like once every four or five chapters to like twice in a page. And I fear, I fear for what's coming. Right. But if it is just the word, I mean, there are things you can do. You could change the word so it says like Negro instead. Yeah. You, know, you could just whitewash it. But is it really just the word? Is it just that? Is that the reason they want to ban the book? Because there was nothing else in that chapter that I would find problematic. The N-word is used 219 times at the Kill a Mockingbird. So both of you snowflakes better. Buckle up. You got me. Don't call us snowflakes. All right, let's end with a little of the Bob White song. And if you want to stop book banning in your local community, make sure you grab the book ban battle plan. The link is in our show notes. Who's that dreaming up all that noise? Bob White's whistling for the boys. Well, he should realize ragtime's gone. Hit me more. You really broke it up today. Who's that dreaming up all that noise? Bob White broke it up for the boys. He was flying higher than a kite. Mr. Bob, you sang it tonight. Later, beeps. Bye.